but it's still on the books that there is no um, defense, if you will, to flouting a subpoena of Congress. It's whether you just intentionally did or did not do something. And if you did or did not do something, that's it. You don't get to use, well, I, my lawyer told me to do it, or this person told me to do it, or the president was the president, and all of that. And so that issue of whether there is even an ability to assert the privilege, let alone whether uh, Steve Bannon was entitled to it, was up for grabs at the time of sentencing. So the judge cut Bannon a little bit of slack and said, why don't you stay out on appeal? Don't go to prison. Don't serve your four months, because you can see how long this is taking. We're now 15 months from his sent from his uh, conviction, and we're just getting to an appellate argument, an, an appeal with a three-judge panel randomly selected of the D.C. Uh, Court of Appeal. And so he would have already served, you know, if he went to jail, he would have already served the four months and still be waiting another 11 for his appeal to, to wrap around. The judge says, eh, why don't you stay at home for now? And if you lose, then you're going to have to go in and do your four months. So we just had a hearing this past week, three-judge panel of the D.C. Uh, court. You got uh, Justice or Judge Garcia. A Biden appointee, Justice or Judge Ballard, an Obama appointee, and then Judge Walker, a Trump appointee. But even the Trump appointee uh, was negative towards the position taken by Steve Bannon. Their main argument at the appeal was that Bannon got advice, bum or otherwise, good or bad advice, from his then lawyer, Robert Costello. Now, the lawyer, let me just give you the incestuous nature of all the the, the uh, cast of characters here related to Bannon and his appeal. His lawyer for the appeal was David Sean, S-H-O-E-N. David Sean was also the lawyer for Donald Trump in one of the impeachment hearings in trying to defend him. He also got fired at one point by Bannon, and Bannon said on his podcast that he would never use Sean again, and now Sean is right back uh, being the advocate for Steve Bannon during the trial. The, the lawyer that Steve Bannon claims that he relied upon for the I didn't respond or I didn't I, I ignored or flouted the these um, congressional subpoenas two of them for testimony for documents because my lawyer Bob Costello told me to do that now some astute audience members might be thinking where do I know that name from Bob Costello well you know it from a couple of places one at one point in his life he represented uh, Michael Cohen in matters and then testified against Michael Cohen in the uh, uh, before the grand jury before Trump was indicted in the Stormy Daniels hush money cover-up affair and books and records fraud uh, also more recently Bob Costello who was Rudy Giuliani's law partner had defended Rudy Giuliani in his losing defamation case down in the District of Columbia brought by Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman, two Fulton County Atlanta election workers who sued Giuliani and others because they were accused of participating in voter fraud when they were not. That's the same mother-daughter team that's at the heart of the Georgia election interference criminal case as well. That Bob Costello is suing uh, Rudy Giuliani for over a million dollars in unpaid legal fees. And now that's the guy that David Sean, in his oral argument about Bannon, is pointing the finger at saying, Bob Costello, right or wrong or indifferent, whether it was good advice or bad advice, told my client not to testify. And more importantly, told my client, Steve Bannon, that Donald Trump had told Costello that he was that he was um, invoking executive privilege and that he should not instructed him not to testify. I'm sure I follow that. One simple but brilliant trick to heat your home in 90 seconds and save thousands of dollars on your heating bill this winter. This genius way to heat any room for almost zero cost is taking...
crazy in the U.S. Because, you know, there's a lot of, of activities in life where someone might have a deadline and they might be punished for missing it, but then they might still have an obligation. I mean, tax returns, you know, there's all kinds of things where there are consequences for missing a deadline, but the duty to comply and the utility, in this case, the utility to the committee sure. of having the testimony persists, even though there may have been a default. So I'm not sure that I follow that, 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 that it, first of all, it's in the record that, that Thompson continued to want uh, the testimony. So I'm not sure why you would need any further really denying that, but, but it's more, you're, you're raising a, an inference or you're, you're drawing an inference from that, that I'm not sure it supports. Your Honor, a, a related question would be why the committee refused to accommodate there's a constitutional mandate under U.S. versus AT&T to, to try to reach an accommodation. In this case, what Bannon said through Costello to the committee was, Bannon's hand, Costello said, Bannon's hands are tied. Privilege has been invoked. He cannot comply. However, if you resolve privilege with Trump or get a court to order Bannon to comply, he will comply in full. Secondly. Does it, does it matter under that theory whether the former president or the incumbent president had communicated any assertion of privilege to the committee? No, Your Honor, does not. It doesn't matter. So any any lawyer can say, uh, you know, I'm speaking for the president here. I don't have anything to show you, but talked on the phone to someone and they, they're asserting privilege. That's, I mean, yeah. when you look at the past cases, like, you know, take the Myers case where there's a, a detailed uh, district court opinion by Judge Bates, there, there typically is a, a formal assertion Typically, Your Honor, yes. But in this case, we also have, by the way, the um, ratification, let's say, the confirmation by President Trump in a letter later confirming... It's not available. When you're when you're talking about the sort of ex-ante obligation sure, Your yes, to Your Honor. accommodate, and I'm thinking about, you know, whose burden is it to, to t make the next uh, foray into an, a process of accommodation? And um, the committee has served a subpoena. And typically, I think the the deponent would then turn around and and proffer some kind of well, I'll answer you know all these other questions, but can we reserve questions about my communication with the former president or something. But I I don't see in the record that there was any response other than. And so that met with a lot of skepticism by the three judge panel. First of all, fundamentally, they were not buying an oral argument that a former president holds the executive privilege. And, and they are more in line with the case law that says, um, almost an unbroken chain of case law, that says that the sitting president, whoever that is, holds the executive privilege. And that was Joe Biden at the time. That's one. Two, they all acknowledged that and asked questions, pointed questions at, at David, at Steve um, Bannon's uh, lawyer about, well, your guy wasn't even in the White House. He was a podcaster at that time. So how do you even have the right to assert the privilege? And there was some tap dancing by David Sean related to that that didn't really um, help his case. Even Judge Walker, a Trump appointee, uh, questioned whether, how would you even assert the attorney-client privilege since you don't even know the questions that are being asked because you never appeared in front of the in front of Congress, because you have to assert the privilege question by question. Even know. So you, not every question they would have asked you with that privilege have been asserted. So I don't think that gives you a defense to flouting uh, 
the subpoena by Congress. And so when even the Trump appointee is not on your side, you know things are going rough. So let me just give you the prediction at the end of this hot take here. Based on the questioning of David Sean and his answers, I would find it highly unlikely. In fact, I think it is very likely that either a two-to-one decision or 3-0 in favor of the government is going to be handed out in the next 90 days. And at that point, if Steve Bannon loses, if he's on the losing end of a two-to-one decision or a 3-0 decision, at the end of that, he's going to have to go in for the four-month suspended sentence unless he gets the U.S. Supreme Court to take him up on an appeal. And he'll have to go through Chief Justice Roberts because Roberts is the judge uh, of the Supreme Court, the justice of the Supreme Court, that is the duty judge or administrative judge over the District of Columbia. So he's the gatekeeper. He looks at the papers and says either I'm going to make the decision right now that I'm not going to stay the, uh, the emergency application to not have Mr. Bannon go in and, and, and serve his time. And if he doesn't want to make the decision on his own, then he has to refer to over to the full nine-member panel of the uh, full panel of the U.S. Supreme Court. But my my prediction here is that uh, it, whether it's three zero or two one, Bannon will lose his appeal. He'll then be staring at an order to report to the Bureau of Prisons to serve his four months. Uh, at that time, as I joked on Legal AF, he will not be able to podcast. Uh, he's not going to be able to use his, you know, twenty minutes a week on the phone privileges from jail to do podcasting. I'm sure there's going to be limitations placed on him while he's in the confines and supervision of the Bureau of Prisons. So he'll at least be off the air for the next four months. Uh, unless he gets an emergency appeal uh, and stay granted by uh, Justice Roberts um, and then a decision by the full Supreme Court, you need four members of the Supreme Court of nine to agree to take up a case on appeal and then they can decide the case at that point. And maybe there's four members of it. I mean, it is a right-wing Magdalene court. However, when it comes to Donald Trump and things like ridiculous assertion of executive privilege, they really have not sided with Donald Trump at all. And they've, um, and they've denied most of those kind of requests. I mean, the, the thing that uh, the appeal ultimately founders on is that there is established precedent in the District of Columbia since the 1960s that says uh, no defense, let alone a reliance on defensive counsel, is going to undermine the conviction for um, these particular willful uh, willful refusal to comply with congressional subpoenas. So therefore, I think Justice Nichols, Judge Nichols, will be, as trial judge, affirmed by all of these courts that he did the right thing, not allowing that defense to go to the jury, because it's not a defense under the current state, uh, uh, state of the law. And I think we'll see a reaffirmation of that 1960s legal controlling precedent, and then particularly new, new additional um, rulings that will then be used by future prosecutions and future defendants that'll be called U.S. versus Bannon, which will update this case law from the 1960s. We'll keep talking about these type of important issues at the intersection of law, politics, and justice. One place, the Midas Touch Network. You do that, you're watching me here. And then, if you like this, give me a thumbs up. It helps with the ratings. Every Wednesday and Saturday, we curate the best of the stories at the intersection of law, politics, and justice. And we bring it to you on Legal AF. It is exactly what you think it is. It's every Wednesday and Saturday. Um, and the, and the co-founders and leaders of Legal AF have collectively 75 years of legal experience. And we bring it to you just the way I did it now. We don't blow smoke or sunshine. Help.
the Midas Touch Network and Grassroots Network. Get the two million free subscribers. The bigger they get, the more your voice is heard. So until my next hot take, until my next legal AF, this is Michael Popak reporting. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue yeah. the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. No what are you waiting for? Follow she us now. Thanks for a million followers in the future. See what else should we watch? Trump, I mean, Diaper Donald makes last ditch effort to stop trial Sue's judge. <laughs> Guys, do your daughter a favor this year do by your getting daughter her a unique favor. gift that she'll treasure forever. It says, Bye to my daughter. Michael Popak, Legal AF, when Donald Trump doesn't like to be gagged in a courtroom, he doesn't just take an appeal of the decision, he sues the trial judge as well. <laughs> That's so Trumpian. Oh man, this was posted two hours ago. And he's done it once again, Judge Angoron, the civil fraud case judge presiding over it as the trier of fact, who tagged Donald Trump and his lawyers not once but twice and fined Donald Trump twice. Not only did they run the Trump lawyers into the intermediate appellate court for New York and Manhattan, the first department of appellate division, and try to get a stay, which we reported on just yesterday, of the gag order, which they were able to convince one administrative justice of the of the uh, appellate division temporarily to stay the gag order until full briefing in front of a full five-person panel of the appellate division. Not only did he do that, but he sued Judge Angoron under Article 78 of New York law, which is an attempt generally to compel an administrative officer, or in this case, a judge, to do something by what's called a writ of mandamus. Let me break it down for you. Now, some of you might be scratching your head saying, Popak, didn't you already tell us about an Article 78 lawsuit that was filed in September by Donald Trump and his lawyers and against this very same judge? And Goron, and did you also tell us that it was dismissed by the by the Trumpers when they saw the writing on the wall that they would lose? The answer to that is yes. This is another lawsuit requiring Judge Angoron to be represented by the Attorney General's office as a named defendant in the case. And what they're trying to do with the latest petition under Article 78 is to get, not only is to get that mistrial, this is like reinforcing behavior or conduct by Trump to double down on their attempt to get Angoron off as the trial judge, despite the fact there's been six or seven full weeks of trial already conducted in front of him and there's no jury he's the only person as the trier of fact along with his staff making decisions about all of the evidence and will ultimately enter a ruling the chances at this late stage in a game based on their ridiculous beyond the pale attacks on courtroom staff on law clerks, on Judge Angoron, the ticky-tack things that they're pointing out is not enough to remove a judge. 
just because you don't like a judge or you think the judge isn't ruling in your favor is not grounds to remove the judge. Lord knows if I was able to remove judges that I didn't particularly like on a case, I would have do that in a heartbeat. But that's not the standard. And if you're a lawyer who practices regularly in this courtrooms, and Donald Trump's lawyers are not lawyers who practice regularly in the New York courtrooms the way I do, then you would know that. But instead, it makes great press and you get to you get to suck the air out of the room and change the weather of the media reporting and act like you're tough. But the reality is they're just trying to remove Angoron on grounds that don't exist. And so to double down on that, they figure, well, why don't we sue the old guy instead? We'll sue him personally and argue to the appellate court that he's he's overstepped his boundaries, that he is partial, that he is not uh, he's not fair, he's not impartial, he doesn't have judicial decorum, his temperament, we don't like his personality. One day he showed up with a tie we didn't like, his wife posts things we don't like on her social media. <clears throat> his law clerk ran for a judgeship and she's a democrat we don't like that either they sit too close together um you know i don't know we got the tuna salad was rancid on wednesday you know all of these types of ridiculous bases that will not prevail now they were successful you know i don't blow smoke or sunshine on these hot takes they were successful at convincing one judge who sits in an administrative capacity to make a decision to stay the gag order to give the full appellate bench of five judges the the, uh, the time on full briefing, fully briefed matter, briefs filed by all sides, and an oral argument to make the decision. That's totally normal. Judges do that all the time. It doesn't tip their hand as to the merits. Judge Chutkin in D.C. stayed her gag order temporarily to allow for a full briefing. The D.C. Court of Appeals currently has a stay that they did temporarily, administratively, on an interim basis, while they decide their gag order issue against Donald Trump. So it happens. Now, there's also been some reporting that the judge, just Judge Friedman, sort of was very out of jaundiced view, let's put it nicely, of the attorney general's defense of the gag order. You know, questioning why does he have to be gagged? Why he's a presidential candidate? You know, uh, social media posts about the um, the clerk is fair game since the clerk posts her own social media. You know, he didn't seem to be taking this as seriously as we would like. Hopefully, on full briefing, now that the now that the uh, uh, attorney general's office knows exactly what's in the mind of at least one of the judges, can aim for a majority of the rest of the judges and try to get the gag order reinstated. But the new reporting here is he uh, Trump sued. And Goron again. Lomi is the only appliance that prevents food waste from stinking up your kitchen and polluting the planet. Now that I've invested in a Lomi, it's changed the way I deal with my food waste. Lomi is the biggest innovation in the modern day kitchen since the dishwasher. It's them. Thanks for 284k. Took more than a quarter million. That's pretty cool, even though it's all paid. Against them and found there was no grounds to stay the trial. Remember, they wanted to stay the trial before it started. Then that, that failed at the appellate level. Then Ivanka Trump wanted to stay the trial before she had to testify, and that failed at the same appellate level. They ran into court, and they got a temporary stay of the trial for like seven days when it didn't matter before the trial even started by the same Judge Friedman. And then he later got vacated and reversed by the other people that he serves with on the panel, the, the five judges of the first department. And 
then the trial went forward. And now we're on like we're in week seven. The trial's going on right now with witnesses on behalf of the defense. While the gag order issue, a sideshow issue, is being battled out here, and Judge Ngoron gets sued again for good measure in his official capacity. He'll be represented by the New York Attorney General. They'll argue, oh, he's he's intemperate. He doesn't have the right, he's made up his mind. He doesn't want to listen to our client when he testifies misconstruing and taking out of context statements that the judge made. Just to be clear, what the judge said was Donald Trump is not here to pontificate, get a narrative, get up on a soapbox, and keep repeating his canned speech in response to every question. He's there to answer the questions that are posed to him, um, and then his lawyers, of course, have the opportunity to, to uh, redirect him. And so when the judge said, you know, sort of shorthand, shorthandedly, he said, I'm not here to hear your client talk. I'm here to hear him answer questions. That was true. Of course, they only take the first half of that. I'm not here to hear your client talk and say, oh, he's biased. Judge doesn't want to hear my client talk. Why don't you complete the sentence? And of course, the appellate record is clear about what the judge meant and what he said. And, and so they'll say, oh, he's biased. He should be removed. They'll try to argue a backhanded way towards their mistrial, remove the judge, force him to stop, uh, stop imposing gag orders, give us back the money on the fines, all of that in this new lawsuit which is a way, I guess, to get what's called an interlocutory appeal, breakout session, legal AF law school. What you generally do if you don't like something in a courtroom is you don't sue the judge. <laughs> you don't scream at the law clerk and you don't go after the judge. I don't know, I've been doing this a long time, I never did that. <laughs> I wouldn't think to do that. But they said, oh, we're never gonna get an interlocutory appeal decided in time. This trial is almost over. It is almost over. It's probably like three weeks away from being over. So why don't we sue the judge? It'll make for great press. And we can argue all of our points there. That's all it is. It's just a vehicle for them in suing the judge to act tough on the campaign trail, to try to push back against the media so that Haba is whatever she is, can go on television. <laughs> and say, that's all we want, fair and balanced. You know, the the, uh, the attorney general has a press conference every day about the case. We want to be able to talk about the case. Talking about the case and attacking courtroom personnel and judges to try to get them killed are, is not the same thing. It's apples and bowling balls, but not to the Trumpers. Trumpers, everything is equal, right? Everything is on the same plane. We'll continue to report on what happens next as the New York Attorney General responds to the lawsuit against Ngoron again uh, and argues that it's not the proper use of an Article 78 mandamus procedure. I'm sure that there's nothing in there that supports compelling the judge to do or not do a darn thing except continue to sit to judge the case as the trier of fact as the case goes into the final home stretch before the judge makes the decision about the remaining six counts of fraud against the um, against the Trump organization and then issues his remedies, which could include taking away all of Donald Trump's houses, buildings, money, and uh, corporate yeah. positions. And that's what's going to happen. And all of this is sort of a sideshow. Very interesting to me. <laughs> Very interesting to our audience on Legal AF. But at the end of the day, it's not going to move the needle uh, and help Donald Trump save his companies mm -hmm. from the persistent fraud that's already been found by the judge six weeks ago. So come to join us on Legal AF, the curated podcast at the intersection of oh, law, shit. politics, and justice that we do every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. If you like this kind of hot take, give me a thumbs up. Keeps the ratings, keeps the show afloat, if you will. Leave a comment. I've been known to jump on and 
comment back. We can open up a dialogue. And then you can follow my hot takes in. Right. Trial antics backfire engaged in insurrection. Diaper Don can't escape trials. Judge Cannon accidentally screwed him again. This is live right now. You guys still there? Alright, well, you know. Come out with your hands up, Diaper Donald. Time's up, bitch. Time to go to jail. 2024, Donald Trump quickly filed an opposition. Now it is in the hands of Judge Scott McAfee, staying 